Hi everyone, Trisha Jackson with Run Your Practice here. I'm really excited about today's episode. I love talking money. I love making dentists more money. Um, And I like teaching teams how to implement really, really simple systems and uh, rethink the way that they're doing things in order to make a practice more profitable. It really does take the entire team to be on board with that same centralized goal and vision um, and production incentives uh, to, to drive the practice to become more profitable. So some of these things we're going to talk about today aren't necessarily things that you as the dentist can do, um, but they're things that your team can do and that you can help get your team the training that they need to be able to make your practice more successful. First thing I think about is the schedule. I'm sure that's the first thing a lot of us think about, and I think most people believe that block scheduling is the best way to go when it comes to production and ensuring that your schedule is productive day after day after day. And I agree with that. I also agree with top to bottom scheduling. And I think that the answer is truthfully a combination of the two. And if you're not familiar with top to bottom scheduling, it's very simple. You literally fill the top and work your way to the bottom, and you leave no gaps and no holes. And when it comes to block scheduling, what I see is if you're solely focused on block scheduling, what can happen is once you get those larger blocks filled, you may not have had a patient that, you know, that two o'clock, you know, 90 minute filling appointment didn't work out with them. And so somebody puts a 40 minute filling appointment there and then you end up with holes in your schedule and those holes equal unproductive time um, that can be more difficult to fill than if you reduced that 30 minute hole in the morning and that you know 50 minute hole in the afternoon had those two appointment openings been together you would have had a larger appointment time and been able to do more production instead of being able to maybe put an exam here and a small filling in the afternoon. So what I think works best is block scheduling where you are ensuring that you're getting those big cases in every single day. And those are kind of like untouchable. Don't touch those unless you're filling it with large production. But when it comes to anything besides those healthy blocks, I think it's important to step away from the block scheduling and think about top to bottom scheduling so that we are protecting our schedule. And if we don't fill something or with what we had envisioned it being, then we have time and flexibility to take a longer lunch or to fit in a same day crown because our holes that we have in our schedule are together. They're not separated and making our schedule less productive. So I think we need to schedule smarter. Although we want to do block scheduling to ensure our productivity long-term, we also really want to reduce those holes in the schedule. So we have to think outside of the box. We have to think what is the smartest way to approach this problem? And to do that, we need to talk to our teams and let them know what your vision is for your practice. We are hopefully all having morning huddles. And through those morning huddles, 
Our teens are doing thorough chart audits to ensure that we're not missing any x-rays um, or that we are checking into the insurance eligibility and making sure patients that maybe are due for x-rays in a couple of months or, or a week or so are able to get those x-rays. Or for instance, if they're due for bite wings and in two months they would be due for a full mouth series, having that insurance eligibility to check and see if we can go ahead and update that full mouth series instead of waiting for another year if we update bite wings today. Those are some of the things that we wanna look at through our chart audits. But aside from that, we also wanna look at any opportunities to do same day treatment. So your hygienist should be looking through their schedules and reporting at the morning meeting any unfinished treatment that their patients have. They also wanna talk about any treatment that the family members of their patients have that may not be on the schedule. And why is that important? Well, that's important because if you have a teenager whose parent may be bringing them in for their appointment and that parent has undiagnosed treatment and a situation arises where we might be able to see them at the same time to take care of that treatment, that's something we can present to the patient that may have otherwise gone overlooked um, had we not done that thorough chart audit into our patients and to the family members of our patients. And vice versa, the treatment schedule, the doctors or assistants, whoever's responsible for doing that chart audit before the morning huddle, they need to be looking at are any of their patients due for a cleaning or hygiene or un incompleted periodontal treatment? Any of their family members, are they due? And again, the same thing, we're looking for opportunities that if something happens to our schedule or maybe we already have a hole on the schedule that we're trying to fill, we're utilizing that morning huddle to discuss what patients have unscheduled treatment or unscheduled hygiene appointments so that we can maximize the patient's time, maximize our schedule and increase the daily profits, right? We're trying to get more on the schedule, increase the production. We also wanna reevaluate what our confirmation schedule is for these appointments. If you're seeing um, an increase in no-show appointments or late cancel appointments, and I consider a late cancel Honestly, anything with under 72 hours, um, but I think 48 hours is reasonable as well. Um, if you're seeing an increase of those short notice cancellations, look at what your confirmation schedule is. At what point are these patients being notified of their appointments? Especially for hygiene visits, if you think about it, a lot of patients schedule their hygiene visits four months or six months, three months in advance, and schedules change, things happen. Um, so when are you reminding them of that appointment. Is it a month before? And if it's a month before, when's the second touch? Is it two weeks or a week before? I would recommend at least two weeks prior to their appointment after a month of confirmations. Um, that gives somebody to reevaluate their schedule and you don't wanna surprise anybody. And it's also giving you that two week window to be able to fill that appointment. And then what's your third touch? What's your fourth touch? Do you do a same day confirmation or reminder? Um, I think that that's something to really consider, especially during, I think probably we're having more touches with our patients now in this post-pandemic experience where we are you know, having patients fill out wellness forms, things like that. I'd like to see that keep going. I'd like to see lots of touches to patients to ensure that they are going to be in your chairs. And if they're not, 
what happens? Do you have a cancellation policy? And if you do have a cancellation policy, is it being implemented? Um, what is that success rate? Do you track cancellation appointments? Do you post something to the ledger or do you have some, some system to be able to know who and how many patients have canceled in a month? That's a really important number to track and it'll help you identify areas that you need to strengthen in your practice and uh, including patient communication about how important it is to keep the appointments on the schedule. I briefly touched on the importance of insurance eligibility, especially when it's going um, in terms of x-rays and whether or not you can update things uh, early or not, because, you know, we don't want to upset patients and, and patients do put a lot of trust in the administrative team and in the practice to kind of help them through understanding their insurance. Although, as we pause for a second, I think it's also equally important that your administrative staff is also reminding patients to be responsible for the understanding their own insurance coverage as well. We certainly don't want to create an insurance-driven practice, um, but it is a reality that we have to deal with. We do have to do our best to give that information to the patients, unless you're a fee-for-service office, which I think is rare. I do think you know, in 2020, most practices are in network, at least with one insurance, if that's not Delta Dental, right? Um, so I think it's important that we do try our best to get that information. And you'll find that if you have that information, such as, is there fluoride coverage? Do they have night guard coverage? Do they have orthodontic coverage? Or what? How? what's the frequency for certain periodontal procedures? And just a baseline understanding of what their insurance policy covers as far as preventative, um, diagnostic, basic, and major services, you're going to have better case acceptance because one of the first questions patients ask when they sit down with your treatment coordinator or you diagnose something or you recommend orthodontics or the hygienist asks that the patient wants a fluoride treatment, one of the first questions they're going to say is, well, does my insurance cover it or what will, what will it cost me, et cetera. The better you can answer that question, the better your case acceptance will be. And it's not necessarily that if it's not covered, the patient isn't going to accept the treatment. But if you're able to give them a quick yes or no, now the patient doesn't have to think about insurance. Now the patient's thinking about how is this going to benefit me? So have that information readily available and you will see that adding on things like a same day night guard or starting somebody's orthodontic treatment same day as their hygiene visit, it's going to increase because you're going to be able to deliver them answers, which is going to turn into them making a quicker decision on whether or not to accept treatment. And this brings me to another aspect of a very specific aspect of case acceptance, and that's in the hygiene operatories, the hygiene statistics and their case acceptance. I think it's really important for us to take the time to really look at the percentage of patients that are accepting fluoride in the practice. Um, this is a really simple thing that all you have to do is ask, educate, um, encourage the acceptance to the patients, tell them how it benefits them, and then it will increase the profitability of their hygiene visit. Um, let's just talk numbers for a second. So say you, your office charges 40 to $55 for a fluoride treatment. Um, we'll just go with 40 because it's a nice round number. And you have one hygienist and that hygienist sees about 32 patients a week, okay? Four day work week, eight patients a day. So they're seeing 32 patients a week and only nine of those 32 patients get a fluoride treatment. 
that's a little bit less than 30% case acceptance rate for fluoride. But if you add that up, that's about $1,400 a month. That's about $17,000 a year for that one hygienist. So if you have two or three hygienists and you're, you multiply that, now you're looking at thirty-four to $50,000 per year for your practice just from fluoride treatments and just from a very low case acceptance rate of less than 30% case acceptance rate. And honestly, if you have a hygienist who is a great communicator, a great educator, patients love them, you also have that insurance eligibility to make those quick decisions on whether it's covered or not, um, and it can explain the benefit even if it's not covered, even if you do that, right, that is, that's money in your pocket. Like that, that hygienist is going to get even higher than 30% success rate on case acceptance for fluoride treatment. So think about it, follow those numbers and encourage your hygienist by setting goals for something as simple as a fluoride treatment, because it will add up to increasing the revenue of your practice. And the other thing is, is some practices refer too much out. And what I mean is if you have some situations where you could do isolated periodontal treatment in the chair at the same time as their hygiene visit, or just periodontal treatment in general, um, don't refer it out. If you have hygienists that are capable, be the first line of defense. And if your hygienist can't handle it, then refer them out to the periodontist. Um, that is a, a very simple way to implement a periodontal program in your general dentistry practice um, to retain those perio patients and only refer out the ones that truly need to see a periodontist. Um, and, then, and then as you start doing that, if you're not already doing that, look at the periodontal case acceptance rate. And how is your hygienist delivering that information? How are they educating your patients? And do they need advanced communication training in this area? Because you can have a great hygienist, but it doesn't mean that they're a great communicator. And when it comes to explaining something that the patient isn't really aware that they have, or maybe they are, but they have questions, you need to have a strong communicator. And it's okay if they're not naturally a strong communicator, just get them in front of somebody who can train them and can help them with the verbiage and can help them uh, feel supported in communicating patients. Building an online presence is ever more important. I think that we've all realized that during COVID-19 is your website is truly a tool to communicate with your patients uh, when you're not in the practice and when your office is closed. So if you haven't already done this, do these, do this one thing, actually just do this one thing, not even two things. If you don't have a way for your patients to pay you when your office is closed, if you don't have a way for them to go to your website and give you money, do it today, okay? 2020, there should be a way for patients to pay their bills to you when your office is closed, whether it's on the weekend, after hours, when they receive that bill, they should be able to simply go online, pay the bill, and pay you. Uh, what happens is if you don't have a way for them to pay online and they receive that bill and your office is closed, it's on a weekend, they're going to take that bill and they're going to set it aside. It's going to get forgotten. You're going to end up sending them another bill. You know, patients, I think, for the most part, aren't avoiding paying you. But what happens is if you don't make it so easy to pay you, um, then they're going to forget. They're going to think, oh, it's the dentist. Like, I'll do it. You know, they're going to be going in there in a couple of months, and they might just be like, I'll pay it then. Make it easy. Put 
it on your website and then include on the statement the address that they can go to to make that payment um, and let them know how easy it is. Another thing that I've seen that I think is just so simple to do is to offer virtual dental visits or virtual consultations through your website or I think there's even some third-party uh, programs that you can use. By doing that, you're driving patients to your website. It's really simple to use like a day that you're off early or a day that you're not normally seeing patients and you could do it from home um, to do like orthodontic consultations or any type of consultation. Um, you can charge for them. You could charge like however you want to charge. You could do like a, a set fee or, you know, depending on the length of the appointment, etc. Um, but that's such a simple thing to do that is innovative, it makes it easy for patients to communicate with you, and it makes you more accessible. So that's something that a lot of dentists maybe aren't doing right now, but I do think that it is a simple thing to implement to increase the revenue of your practice and your online presence. Well, I'm going to wrap this up for today. I hope that you found some of this information useful. I hope it gave you new ideas as far as looking at the way that you're scheduling, thinking outside of the box, protecting your schedule, uh, working with the hygienist to increase same day case acceptance, whether that's fluoride or treatment. Um, I hope that you have a way of ensuring that your insurance eligibility is being kept up and making those answers uh, that patients care about readily available. Um, and then I think you, I hope that you look at your website and say, what can we do um, to drive patients to our website and make their lives easier, especially when it comes to paying us. Thanks for, again for listening and tune in next time. Take care.